Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk about your fertility program. So we're going to get to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag. And Darren, why don't you queue up maybe some fertility questions right away for us. If you've got a call, or if you would like to call into the show, I should say, we'll we'll have our phone lines open throughout the show. The number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. The most important thing when we start talking about your fertility program is we want you to take good soil tests. And what we mean by that is... First of all, don't do composite tests. That's like one test for the whole field. Do grids or zones and at least one time. And I'm not saying you have to do this every year or anything else, okay? So don't think you have to spend a gazillion dollars to soil test. But at least one time do small grids or zones. And what I mean by that is one acre. I'm not talking about... um, when I say zones, too, you might think, well, if it's a zone, I can go big. No, no, you can't. So trust me, do it one time, just once, and then you're going to find out all the variability in your field. And then after that point, then you can go ahead and start putting some of the similar grids or zones together, and at least you'd have the opportunity at that one time to now even things out across the field by doing some variable rate fertility. But anyway, the next thing is when you're running analysis, just make sure that you get all the tests run. So we don't just want to see NP and K. We want to see soil pH. We want the base saturation. We want all the micronutrients. And I mean all the micronutrients, not just zinc. So very commonly, Darren and I look at soil tests and we see just zinc. Or maybe it's People will say, well, sulfur is a micronutrient. Well, technically, that's a secondary nutrient. We want to see that all the time. But don't just get sulfur and zinc. Get boron, manganese, iron, copper. Get all those micros. And then we have a much better overall understanding of what's going on. Two other things that we want to see in your soil test, salts and sodium. And very commonly, people don't run those tests. They cost almost nothing. But if we don't see that, then we don't know if you have a problem. And some of these things, you don't necessarily have to run every single year. Like, let's say it's cation exchange capacity and soil organic matter. If you don't want to, you don't have to run those tests every year because they're not going to change much over a five-year period. But I, I would say you got to have a complete analysis, and then we have a much better idea of what to make for a recommendation for you on that ground. Okay, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. All right, Brian, get this one uh, from Ray, and he said, Hey, guys, I was the one who was asking you about 100 bushel soybeans last week. Thanks for your input on that. Here's the soil test from last year, 2020, which was soybeans, and 2021 was corn going to be soybeans again in 2022. What would I need to get 100 bushels with this soil test? Should I test it again now this fall yet? Uh, Thanks again. Wait, is this all the information I have? That's all the information. Yep. Unless you want all the pretty pictures, Brian, that have each individual nutrient. Well, what I wanted was base saturation because I 
I, I mean, I can run, I could run the numbers myself, but we just talked about two things that I really want to have on the soil test, salt and sodium. Neither one of these are on that test. So I can't run a complete base saturation or, or make my base saturation calculations. But it looks to me like we're low on potassium because on average, he's only got a couple hundred pounds, a couple hundred pounds. So that's a hundred parts per million. So I, and it's on average 20 cation exchange capacity. In a 20 cation exchange capacity, if you don't have three to 400 parts per million on K, you're probably really low. So I'm guessing this is one to 2% base saturation K. So for 100 bushel beans, you got to, got to get that up to six. So in other words, you're not going to do that in one year. I, I mean, I would, but you're not going to. Potassium's too expensive right now. So I'd work on a build program for the next five years. You're not going to get 100 bushel beans right now. Your K is way too low. Phosphorus. Yeah, just for example, for 100 yeah, bushel ahead. beans, you're going to have to pull 220 pounds of K out of the soil. Right. And, and many spots in the field don't even have that much right now. And you can only probably pull with soybean roots 10 to 20% of the K out of the ground that's there at any one time. So in other words, what I'm saying is you got to get at least five to 10 times more K out there, at least five times more K out there in many of these areas. And it's, it, that's not going to happen in one year. You're not going to spend that kind of money. Almost nobody would. On phosphorus, it's the same kind of deal. On average, you got 56 pounds. That's 20, 28 parts per million. That's probably four to six times too low for what you need for 100 bushel beans. Because again, the most that those tiny little soybean roots are going to be able to pull out of the ground is 10 to 20% of the total phosphorus that's in that soil. And you can say, well, I'll just band these nutrients. And you can do that. It works better in corn. But I mean, with soybeans, you can band and, and you'll get recovery. But you have to be careful about salt. That becomes the issue in soybeans is getting too much salt with those little roots. Uh, copper's not bad. You're at two parts per million. I like to see it a little higher than that. Iron's at 19 parts per million. I, I definitely like to see that higher. I don't have a manganese test, so I like that. Uh, zinc, you're at four parts per million. If you're going to get your phosphorus up to at least 100 parts per million, you probably need to be at least 10 parts per million on zinc. And sulfur, you're at four parts per million. You need to be at least 20 to 50. So you've got a lot of nutrient needs there. The good news is you got relatively heavy ground. you got plenty of magnesium. In fact, maybe a little excess magnesium. you got lots of calcium in a lot of these areas. And your pH on average is good, 6.5. you got a couple of spots to address, but, you know, it's certainly not bad. All right, lots to look at on the soil test, and it is great. I'm glad you sent the question in because it's really good to focus on what I can do first and making sure you get enough NPK and sulfur is a great place to start. Uh, certainly 100 bushel beans don't happen overnight either. It takes, it takes quite a program, and oftentimes it takes multiple years to get there, as Brian was mentioning. So we're going to talk about your fertility program on our show today. If you have any questions for us about the fertility program on your own farm, our phone lines are open at 844 44 Ag PhD. The first name and last word in weed control in heavier, higher organic soil types is Authority Edge herbicide from FMC. This proprietary combination of actives outperforms the competition, delivering up to 14 more days of residual control. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Authority Edge herbicide may not be registered for sale or use in all states.
We now bring you an important news bulletin. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of Burndown. New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds. Even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your burndown. Winter is here and it's the perfect time to improve your farm by attending Ag PhD's winter workshops and clinics. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February with seven full days of events on the docket, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There's a lot of great information here and we can't wait to share it with you. Best of all, these events are free, so be sure to check them out. Register today at agphd.com. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Conditioning low-moisture beans to 13% can add semi-loads to your bottom line. And with our 13 for 13 year-end special, make 13% beans possible with 13% off an end-zone bin system. Use promo code 13 for 13 at farmshopmfg.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today and talking about your fertility program. If you've got questions, if you're thinking, hey, uh, I'm working on this on my farm, I'm trying to build this or that, or, or what should be my priority, we would love to hear from you today. 844-44-AG-PHD is our phone line. We've got great guests coming up, too, like our first one, Bill Brush. He's a consultant out in the state of California. Bill, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, nice to talk to you guys. Both Brian and Darren, how you been? Been pretty good, although uh, I woke up this morning to a little bit of white stuff on the ground outside, and wasn't too excited about that. It actually starting to it's starting to look like December here. It hadn't it kind of been looking like October for a long time, and we were enjoying that. <laughs> well, out here it's been the same way in California. It's been abnormally warm, and we're finally getting our temperatures down a little bit, but not anything like you guys, of course. But uh, you know, I was listening to something earlier, and I know you want to talk about fertility programs. And one of the first things I always do with all my growers when I'm consulting with them is how much do we have to spend? They start there. As a consultant, I don't sell them anything but my advice, my recommendations, my experience. And so I get a good look at the budget. You know, if I'm the guy selling you stuff, I'm less probably open <laughs> yes. how much I'm willing to spend. Okay? Exactly, exactly. But I'm not doing that. So. So I get a good peek at what they're willing to spend. And at this point, I look at their soil. I tell them, these are all the things we'd like to do. Now then, having said that, this is what we have to spend. And in this economic climate, this is what we need to put on. And I get to make the choices of what to put on, which will give them the biggest return for what they're using. Now, a good example, you talked about soil tests. I always recommend they soil test every year. And I'll tell you why. Uh, if you have a, let's just say, a $60 soil test, and that in, it encompasses 20 acres, essentially it's $3 an acre. In a place where nitrogen, even urea, is going to be close to a dollar a pound. So a pound of N is going to cost you a buck. And if I if through that soil test, having the right amounts of calcium, I can improve our efficiencies, and I, I have 
different ways to, to get nitrogen into the plant, I could easily maybe save you 10 pounds of nitrogen. So for a $3 soil test, we can save 10 pounds of nitrogen, or we can cut, if, if we've done a good job building over the years, this is not a building year. This is a year that we can not mine our soils, but maintain our soil. That's what you're looking at. I know a lot of guys say, well, God asked you, I'm not putting any on. Well, somewhere down the line, you're going to have to put it back in. And you're also doing it at the expense of your current crop. So if everybody takes the, the approach, I'm not putting any on, and everybody's yield goes down, what's going to happen to the price of the material? You're going to have an off year in your, your production across the corn belt. And all of a sudden, now the, there's not as much corn, supply and demand kicks in, and now the corn's worth more, and you're not there to take advantage of your normal yield because you've reduced yields from reducing your fertility program. So I'm not saying go hog wild. It's kind of like going to your fuel tanks and say, gosh, this is the highest I've ever seen fuel. This is a good time to fill them all up. <laughs> That's not what you do. Nope, <laughs> you know? exactly. You go back and you look at this is the absolute time to say, I have so much in here and I'm going to make the most of every gallon of fuel I have. I'm not going to, I'm going to make it the most efficient and that's where you become. But I always tell people, everybody says, well, why do we need the soil test every year? Well, you grew a crop. You've had X number of inches of rainfall. You either that all the water you had, or you also took and, and applied water. All those things will have direct effects on your soil. Also, if you've been applying lime, you need to know how much closer you're getting to get your proper base saturations. Why is that important? Because I can really hone in on a, on a reduced nitrogen budget if you're getting your calcium up in that 65 to 70% range. All of a sudden, my nitrogen's more efficient. I can put less on and get the same yield I got the year before when I didn't have my calcium magnesium in the proper balance. Uh, I think Bill, Bill, that is a that is an excellent excellent explanation, and I think the the number one thing is getting a complete soil test, and uh, to to just kind of <laughs> second what you said, I, I look at how much we're spending on fertility per acre, and we're trying to minimize that by picking the right nutrients that are going to give us that return on investment. Like you mentioned, we don't know unless we've got good data, and I know this: we went across the field this fall with the combine, and some spots yields were three. Some spots yields were 150. I know how much fertility got pulled out of those 300 bushel spots versus the 150 spots. <laughs> and if I don't get it yeah. back in those areas, uh, like you mentioned, we just aren't going to have much of a crop this next year. And and really, that's what it's all about, making money year in and year out. Now, we're talking with Bill Brush yeah, here. He's I, a I, consultant out in California with so many different crops. And I think uh, this is a great way to kick this off, Bill. Uh, we're going to let you run today. We'll talk more about specific fertility coming up. But but getting that soil test done, getting a complete one, so that whether it's Bill or whether it's, whether you're making your own recommendations on fertility, uh, you've got the information that you need. Yeah, one thing to put that into perspective, too, you go to your doctor, does he just say, well, we're just going to see what you've got and not do a complete blood test? He only does a few things. Is that what you want? to get a chance to look at your total health or you just worried about one or two items. That's why you need a complete soil test. Yeah. Very well said. Bill, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on and look forward to talking to you again soon. You bet. Thanks guys. Bye. Let's head down to Nebraska. Got Ty Fickenshire with us. He's with Luma. Ty, how are you doing today? Doing great. How are you guys? 
Good. Okay. I wanted to specifically ask you about the strip till situation because we get this question often and, and growers will say, okay, so I'm putting my fertility in a strip. Am I putting on just what I'm going to use that year? Would I consider putting on a build rate in the strip? And then how does that vary if I'm always going in the same strips versus moving my strip around all the time? Yeah, I guess the kind of our approach is we, we alternate year to year on where we're putting that and putting that strip. And, uh, you know, we try to, in, in years like this, you know, we're probably not going to put out much of a build program necessarily. Years where the fertilizer prices are a little more reasonable, you know, then we can look at putting out more of a build program. Um, the nice thing with the strips is we're not having to put out quite as much nutrients um, to build it as what we would with the broadcast program. So we can kind of... Uh, control how much is being put out there in, in years where it's a little more lean through that approach. Yeah, I like the efficiency factor in that strip. And we've had a lot of growers at, at some of our fall meetings we've been doing talking about this that, you know, I haven't been strip tilling or I've only been doing a field or two. I'm going to do more of it this fall and this early in, into this winter. Gosh, there's still guys out in fields with the way the weather's been just just trying to make that fertilizer more efficient because it's uh, it's not cheap this year. Yeah, no, that's for sure. And we've had a conversation with quite a few guys, you know, how, how do we make that more efficient? Um, you know, we look at putting out more of the immobile nutrients um, here in the fall, and then, and then how can we put some out in the spring and, and be more efficient with that when we're approaching that, you know, dollar per pound of in. So definitely kind of the forefront of the conversation. And, and to your point, getting a lot of that done in the fall here while the prices are still, you know, the early prepay prices are still pretty reasonable yet, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Now, when, when you're out there putting the fertility on, we get a lot of questions about, do you like the deep shank placement in the fall? Do you like putting it on with coulters? Do you like spreading it out? Have you seen differences in yield? And what, what have growers noticed about the different placement options with strip till and fertility? As far as with the coulter or shank, you know, we really haven't noticed a, a tremendous yield difference. You know, it depends on the kind of fall we had. And I know for this area this year, we had Early on, we did have some soil that was a little wet, um, and so we had some compaction issues. So we tend to, typically, we just run the shank in the fall to really kind of help um, however we can getting that, getting that uh, compaction layer broken up. Um, we look more at the coulters in the spring. You know, once the ground is, has been heaved through the winter months, you know, we can look at using the coulters more in the spring. But um, getting that nutrition out there for me is paramount over, you know, just a broadcast application. And we do see, you know, versus a, a broadcast, we've seen strips actually produce uh, better yields when, when the combine rolls through the field. Yeah, it is, it is interesting just looking at all the different options. We're talking about your fertility program on the show today, and there's a lot of different ways to accomplish it. There isn't, isn't just one right way. And we're talking with Ty Fickenshire here with Luma about strip till and how you can do some fertility that way and improve efficiency. Ty, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. You bet. Thank you. We'll dive into more fertility questions coming up right after this. Stay tuned. Looking to upgrade your productivity now and take control of your cash flow next season? Check out CanDo Financing on Case IH tractors and hay tools today. Discover amazing rates on the remarkably versatile Farmall, premium comfort Vestrum, and versatile workhorse Maxim tractors. 
plus save on high-capacity round balers and disc mower conditioners. Make this season your most productive yet. Weeds rob you of yield potential, so rob them of the chance to grow with powerful corn herbicide solutions from Corteva AgriScience. Weeds won't know what hit them, but you will. Because you can count on all the top corn herbicide products, including Resicor, SureStart 2, and Keystone NXT, to effectively control weeds, you can spend less time worrying about unwanted yield-robbing plants and power on. Learn more at poweroverweeds.com power. Keystone NXT is a restricted-use pesticide. What can you do to build a better wheat crop? I'm Darren Hefty. On Tuesday, January 11th, we're holding a free Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll be discussing how you can make your wheat crop more profitable by going in-depth on topics such as crop protection programs, seed treatment options, fertility requirements, and ways you can make your crop more resistant to stresses like drought and disease. We'll be covering all this and more, so don't miss the Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop. Sign up today at agphd.com. And while you're there, check out the other Ag PhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn and soybeans, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There is a lot of great information here and we can't wait to share it with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. We're discussing your fertility plan on today's Ag PhD radio show. Thanks for tuning in. If you have questions, if you'd like to talk about your plan for your farm, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or if you want to send us soil samples or, or just send us an email to for us to discuss, you can certainly do that too, radio at agphd.com. Let's head over to Indiana. Got Jim Comberato with us right now. Uh, Jim, how are you doing today? I'm fine. How are you doing? Not too bad. So we're talking about fertility plans, and it's it sure is fun when fertilizer is cheap, because then <laughs> then I get a lot of questions about oh man, what should I do here? And about anything that we talk about, growers are like you bet that sounds good. But when it's really really expensive, uh, it's a whole different conversation. I'm I'm betting you're having some interesting conversations too, Jim. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, um, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. Um, and people want to talk about all three and what they're going to do with the high prices and also with respect to nitrogen, whether they'll be able to get any. 
Yeah, so. yeah. So that, you're absolutely right. Even though it's ridiculously high priced, supply is even a concern, which is part of the reason that it's so high priced too. But you know, you right. mentioned NP and K, and I think uh, I'd add sulfur into that list too. If we get NP, K, and sulfur out there in decent quantities, normally we can raise a pretty good crop. But I, I think one of the things that gets forgotten too in in this is, uh, all right, so when am I going to put it out there? How can I be the most efficient? And uh, let's face it, when we're broadcasting, it isn't necessarily the most efficient way of doing it. So we were just chatting about uh, strip till and banding and this type of thing. Are you getting more questions about those types of approaches this year? Um, yeah, uh, there is interest in, in banding and reducing the rate. And um, when you're you know cutting the rate back, that's a good a good approach to get a little more efficiency and uh, know that it's going to be available to the plant pretty pretty early in the season. Um, but a lot of folks, you know, are asking about the rate and what they can get by with. So that's a, another popular question. Yeah, it sure is. And, and you see these kind of market prices that we've got on our crops, and you think, wow, we shouldn't be cutting back anything. We should be going for every bushel this year. But uh, then again, those bills are going to be kind of expensive on the fertility side. Uh, talk to us about the N, P, and K. And obviously, everybody's interested in nitrogen, but how about the P and K? We, we hear a lot of guys say, well, I might just mine some out of the soil this year and then build it back up in a year or two when prices come back down. What do you think of that strategy, and how far can we push that yeah so we're in in indiana ohio michigan we've always made pretty conservative recommendations where we have suggested farmers build their soils up to uh, a maintenance level and um, uh, just for years like this so they have enough in the soil they can make uh, the best crop possible and and that'll fall down over time without replacing that fertilizer but it's it's not uh, real fast so it'll take several years for the, the levels to fall where you would lose yield if you didn't put fertilizer out so we're we're suggesting people look at all their soil tests and then you know just prioritize the, the highest ones above the maintenance limit or in the adequate zone you know those are the ones you would want to cut back on but the ones that are deficient those those you need to to make sure you prioritize and make applications to those particular fields that you know are deficient. You know that that's the the reason we soil test and we we have recommendations is to you know take care of the soils that need it and and the ones that are high enough uh, as is and then in a year like this uh, we can hold back on those and think about them when the prices. Uh, come down in a couple of years or next year. Yeah, I agree. We definitely have to look field by field this year. It's uh, If you want to be efficient, it's not going to be done by saying, well, my whole farm this year, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. You're right. There's some fields that are in better shape than others, and, and we can manage them slightly different this year and hopefully save a little bit of money uh, on an expensive fertility year. I'm talking with Jim Camperato here with Purdue. Uh, Jim, great stuff. Uh, I know it's a little different conversation this year when prices are so high. Last year was much, much better. I, I liked it. In fact, we we ended up building on a few of these fields, like you mentioned, that that were in tough shape, and I'm sure glad we did because now this year we're the beneficiary of that. So hopefully, other other growers yeah. did too. Yeah, and really that that conservative approach 
this is the time that you reap the benefit from, you know, building it up when prices are cheap or when you have good cash flow. So uh, it's a good to suggest folks to take advantage of it now. Absolutely. Great advice. Jim Camberato here with Purdue. Jim, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Sure thing. Yep. Have a great day. Thanks a lot. You bet. Thank you. Let's head over to Iowa. We've got Kelly Garrett on with us right now. Uh, Kelly, so we're looking at building the fertility plan for this year. And, you know, it's always it's always a lot easier when fertilizer prices are really cheap. Uh, unfortunately, that's not the world we live in right now. So uh, what it, what is how does that change things for your farm as you're building your plan? You know, we would maybe cut back on a little bit of dry fertilizer and things like that based on a soil test. And a year like this year, we're not going to try to build the soil. We're going to try to balance the soil to unlock the bank account, as we say, the bank account that we've got there. Yeah, the soil testing is just so important. I know for our farm this year, it was really eye-opening because in some cases, there was more out there than what we thought. And that's wonderful when you have those surprises. But we also have some newer ground. And, you know, that's generally not the case on on some of the newer stuff or stuff you haven't had much time to build up just yet. So uh, Jim Camberato was saying, you know, I'm going to probably spend more money on that ground and because I know I'm going to need it. And on the ground I get built up, this might be your shot to to be the beneficiary of that built-up fertility. How about for you? Do you look at it that way too? Yes, absolutely. I would manage not by the field. I would even manage by the square foot or at least by the acre. And on your owned ground that you've had for quite some time and the fertility's built up, maybe maybe cut back there a little bit and lean on that and put more of an investment into that new ground because I know fertilizer is expensive, but if you have a, le- a yield loss there, a yield detriment there, that's going to hurt your ROI, and that's what we're really after. I, uh, I would put some of it into a dry program, and, but that's going to take time to build. I would put some of it into a foliar program to get some nutrition into that plant and help out that way. I would split that budget up between those two applications. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that, too, because a lot of times you think about, well, what is going to be my at-planting time program or even my fall program, depending on where you're at and how you're doing things. But so often we talk to growers that are looking at it as a one application. Uh, this is just what I'm going to do, and I'm done. And you're, you're talking about, hey, let's, let's take a little bit of that budget and talk about your planting time budget or talk about even your, your in-furrow or two-by-two budget, and then let's save some for a little foliar later if I need a little pick-me-up, especially if I'm going to be running kind of eh, pretty pretty tight on fertility. I'm not going to have a whole lot extra this yes. year. Might be a good way to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we, uh, what what we about to, corn to versus it... soybeans too, Kelly? I, I just was thinking about that. It, I, when you were saying that, I was thinking about corn. Would you do the same thing on soybeans? I would lean more on a foliar treatment on soybeans than corn because of the root system. I don't feel that the the root system of a soybean, I don't think always brings nutrition up as much as I would like. So I would lean heavier on a foliar aspect there because I think I get more bang for my buck. Yeah, that's, uh, I wasn't even thinking about the foliar end of this today. So you're always bringing something new to the table, Kelly. All right. What you got going on in your farm right now? Are you guys getting the snow down there too, or are you still rolling out in the fields? No, we, we do have a 90% chance of snow on Friday, but today it's blue sky and, you know, the anhydrous is on. Uh, we're spraying some plant food. Uh, the lime is all on and uh, things things are kind of okay for 
kind of slow for once, Darren. It's kind of nice. <laughs> oh, it won't it won't stay slow for long. I know. I know how you guys operate. You're always trying to get better and and move forward. So, Kelly, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Thanks for sharing a little bit about what you're doing on fertility too. Thanks, Darren. Merry Christmas. You Bye. bet. Merry Christmas to you as well. Talking about building your fertility program on the show today. And hopefully you get a few ideas from this that you may say, you know, there's something I hadn't thought about yet. And I, I liked Kelly had a good point there that it isn't just about one big chunk of fertility you're going to put out. It's also about, hey, how are you going to spread this out? Maybe you're going to do a little foliar. Maybe you're going to do a little uh, infro or two by two or something as well. And that's definitely deserving of part of the budget in many cases. We'll talk more about that and take your questions right after this. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's a secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plan, do you think you could cut your farm's fertilizer expenses? Maybe you could increase your yields. Why not both? I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're devoting two full days to our Ag PhD Soils Clinic this year, January 12th and 13th at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the most important two days that you spend in your farming career, and it's all free. So register now at agphd.com. While you're there, check out the other Ag PhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall.
Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about your fertility program. Got this question that came in from Roger, but we've gotten the same type of question from a number of growers this fall, especially in drought areas where growers are considering doing a little bit of corn on corn to avoid any carryover issues and also to take advantage of some fertility that might be left in the soil. Uh, Roger says, I'm doing some corn on corn this next year to merge some fields to make things more efficient. Now, I've rarely done this, so I've got a couple of questions. First, how much extra nitrogen do I need if there was a 220 bushel corn crop previously? And second, if I have already put some anhydrous on the corn stalks, can I still chisel plow them in? And how long should I wait after applying the anhydrous? If it matters, I'm in central Illinois and we are getting some freezing temperatures, but still seeing a few 50 degree temps as well. Well, I'm glad you brought these questions up because the first question is exactly the question that we had on our farm. 220 bushel corn. We had some fields that were 220 this year, and we're going to go back to corn. And I thought, oh, we're going to have to put a couple hundred pounds of nitrogen on there. You know, it stinks because the the nitrogen price is super high, but I can sell corn next fall for $5 cash right off the combine. So whatever, I guess we'll live. Anyway, we did our normal soil test program. And when the soil test results came back, I'm going through stuff going, okay, we're getting our base saturation K up there. The micronutrients are looking pretty good. Everything's fine. And what, what, wait a second, nitrogen, we have 150 or 200 pounds in the top six inches. You gotta be kidding me. So then we went out and in some spots, not the one acre grids that we're doing for our zero to six, but in like two or three spots in every field, we did six to 24 inches deep and we found just as much in the 6 to 24 inch sample as the 0 to 6 inch sample. Now we have heavy soil. Did he say if he has heavy soil? I don't know. He said central Illinois. Right. Uh, yeah. So we'll assume he's similar to us, 20 CEC. So you can hold a fair amount of nitrogen. And, and also the ground's going to freeze at some point here this winter. So it'll lock that nitrogen in. It's not going to go anywhere before spring. But anyway, we had one of our biggest cornfields. It's like 330 acres where we averaged. I'm going to say 250 pounds of nitrogen in the top two feet. Average, 250 pounds. I never would have imagined that. So here's my point. How much nitrogen do you have left over after 220 bushel corn? Anywhere from zero to 400 pounds. Unless you test, I can't give you a good answer. To to the other question, anhydrous, um, sure, you can work that ground after anhydrous. We usually like to have that be last and do the anhydrous last, but we we have certainly done tillage after anhydrous, and I'm not that worried about it. I would let it stand for, you know, if you can, a few days or a week, whatever, and then you go do your tillage. But just understand that if you do bring some soil up from down where you put the anhydrous, that it's possible you could lose a little bit of that nitrogen. So I don't love, love doing tillage after anhydrous, but you absolutely can. All right, got this from Brian. He said, you guys are talking about starter and pop-up fertilizer. I'm just wondering, uh, all this time I've been using these terms interchangeably, uh, but you say that they're different, yep. or pop-up is just in furrow yep. only. Right. I'm wondering, do you guys use both of these? Do you use starter and pop-up, or is this a one or the other deal? Typically, most people are going to do one or the other. Now, we have... One of our research planners it's set up to go both ways um, and we have done each on the farm i like 
having just a little bit in furrow. But if you ever say, well, boy, I want to get quite a bit of fertility out there, you cannot do that in furrow. Or let me rephrase that. You should not do that in furrow. We see it all the time where guys say, well, I'm going to put on 10 gallons of 1034-0 in furrow. I'm going, what? You're putting on at least three times more salt than I'm comfortable with in normal moisture. What happens if we have a dry spring? And that's why sometimes Darren and I have been out in fields where people have put 10 gallons of 1034-0 on, and the corn is all buggy whipped, yields 50 bushels less, and the guys are super sad, and they're saying, well, it's never happened before. Yep, I know, but you lucked out. (laughs) So just be really careful how much salt you're putting in for at the very most, in a 30-inch row, we want five pounds of salt. That's three gallons of 1034-0, and that's the very, very, very most I would ever even dream about putting out in furrow. So my point is, if you're going to want to use some in furrow, you got to go low salt, low rate, blend it down with water to safen it even further. That'd be great. If you want to put on more fertility than that, then you have to go two by two or broadcast it. Or deep band, I guess. We do a bunch of that, too. All right, thanks for the question. Got this one from Levi. He said, uh, I remember back in October, you guys were talking about soil testing and lime requirements and how a drought can throw some of those things out or throw some of those things off. He said, we've been in a drought in 2020 and in 2021, and over half of a 130-acre field is calling for lime. Now, if you guys say that 6.2 to 6.8 is kind of an optimal pH, then should I only be looking at points that read below 6 and only lime to get my pH up to 6.5? Or what is your rule of thumb for these drought readings? Our samples were taken in November, and we did receive a half-inch rain a week prior to sampling. Yeah, just to be on the safe side, because we hate to see anybody over-liming. We usually figure two-tenths to a half a point too low. So in other words, if it's, let's say, in a drought situation and you are soil testing and it comes up with a 5.8, we would say, well, that could be anywhere from a 6 to a 6.3 normally. So that's kind of your range. Could it actually truly be the 5.8? Sure. But that's kind of the range. So 5.8 all the way to 6.3. So if you're right there and let's say you're raising corn, I'm going to probably tell you don't lime because you're right at the edge. And it, it, it depends a little bit on your situation. If you say, well, boy, we normally put a lot of nitrogen on. We have lots of rain. Uh, we have to keep liming every three years or our pH just keeps really, really falling. That's a different deal than me where I need to lime about maybe once or twice in my lifetime. And I've got that that soil for or soil pH just right. So I'm just trying to say, don't get yourself carried away. Figure two tenths to a half a point low or high, however you want to look at that. And you should be fine, at least in the short term. And then maybe if you're really worried about it, test it again next fall. All right. Thanks for the question. Get this one from S. Uh, is asking a sulfur question. Uh, how does sulfur work in that crop residue breakdown process? Is this important? Do I just need microbes and nitrogen, or is sulfur a big factor too? Well, it's a factor. I'm not going to say it's an enormously huge factor, but having some sulfur out there is good for microbes, and it's good for residue breakdown. But nitrogen is a bigger key. Okay, Uh, I got this one from IA. You guys are talking about fungicides, and I'm wondering, can you spray fungicides on crops that you are going to eat? Is that safe? Yes. Uh, And is 
is there testing on that? Yeah, absolutely. So any pesticide has to have residue testing if it's going to be used on crop that could potentially be be eaten by a human being or livestock. So there's absolutely residue testing, and they determine at what point is it safe, at what point is the residue gone, things like that. So I would just say I'm as long as it's something that's labeled and it's used far enough in advance pre-harvest, because there will say right on there pre-harvest, then you should be just fine. I got this one from Bruce up in Ontario, Canada, and he said, in pattern tiling, do you have a scale for the distance between the tile lines based on soil texture and type, or do you know of a good resource I could find? Yeah, if you look at University of Minnesota and look up their tiling work, I I know we've gotten a lot of stuff from Gary Sands over the years, for example, uh, and then you have a general guideline. I would say there's never anything that's going to be perfect, so you have to use your best judgment. And what I always tell people is set your system up with big enough main lines. Just invest in a little bit bigger main line than you think you might need. So that way, if at some point you want to add some more laterals in there, you can. It's not that big a deal to add in a lateral here or there. We've done that ourselves over the years. But it does kind of become a big deal if you don't upsize the main right off the bat. So if nothing else, if you want to have your lines far apart in the beginning, fine. If you want to have your laterals relatively small, fine. Just make sure your main line has plenty of slope and it's big enough so you can in the future add on to it if and when you want to. Thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. We'll be right back with more of your calls and questions after this. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. Purchase your dream tractor and save your cash with can-do financing from Case IH. Save on the remarkably versatile Farmall, premium comfort Vestrum, and versatile workhorse Maxim tractors. Plus, discover amazing rates on high-capacity round balers and disc mower conditioners. Upgrade your equipment now and keep your cash flow strong next season. One of the most important things you can do for your farm is improving drainage. Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. On Monday, January 31st, we're hosting a free Ag PhD tiling clinic in the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Whether you've been tiling for years or you're looking to plan your first project, you won't want to miss this event. We have a whole host of information for you, including a legal session with the country's top drainage lawyers, as well as presentations on tile design, lift stations, NRCS guidelines, and ways to approach neighbors and landlords about tiling issues. For more details and to register, go to agphd.com. While you're there, check out the other AgPHD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. 
It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time now, taking your calls and questions. Our phone lines are open here in the Morton studio at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. First question here comes from Jeffrey down in southeast Nebraska. He said, kind of new to soil sampling here. We're in a corn-soybean rotation. And I'm wondering if you could take a look at these samples from this fall and let me know what you would do. Okay. So I'm seeing a lot of pHs in the fives and even low fives. So the first thing is we want to use some lime to get that pH up a little bit. I, let's see. It looks like corn and soybeans. So we'd like to see that pH into the low sixes. You don't have to get super carried away. It doesn't need to be high sixes or anything like that. But just get it above six and you should be in pretty good shape. So I'd start with that. The next thing I see is your P and K are really, really low. Phosphorus, and I, I, I shouldn't say this is in all areas either. So in one spot, for example, on phosphorus, you have 124 parts per million. Great. But that's a Malik 3, so I would say it's not like super great because we kind of look at that compared to the P2 or strong Bray test when we start talking those Bray analysis tests. What I mean by that is that's that 124 parts per million is not what's available today. That's what's available today plus what we hope will come available during the course of the next growing season. So anyway, it's, it's okay. But you also have spots of 10. Well, 10 parts per million isn't going to cut it. And same thing with 1.1% base saturation potassium, which is uh, kind of where your low is, I think. Let's see. Yeah, I got a one. I got a few twos. And, I mean, there just are not many pounds of P and K out there. So get some P and K out. Get those levels up, and you're going to be in a lot better shape. In addition to that, I would just say uh, your sulfur levels are single-digit parts per million, and you need to get that way up. I mean, at the bare minimum, I want at least 20 parts per million, but 50 is a lot better. Boron, you're at a half part per million. You need to get that to be at least a couple, most likely. And uh, copper, you're not quite to two parts per million. So I would work on all of those things. Oh, one last thing, zinc. You got one part per million on average of zinc. And let's say that you get that phosphorus level up to 100 where it needs to be. You're, you probably need to be in the 8 to 10 kind of range on zinc too. So there are a lot of things you can work on building. This isn't the year to build, uh, but at least you could do a slight build program. But work on building that up because your soil fertility levels in a lot of these key areas are, are real low. 
Oh, hey, there's one other thing, Darren. I noticed on here he's got good, bad, good, bad with a couple different ones. There's one in particular, he calls it Terrace's Field, the bad spot versus the good spot. The bad spot just has a lot lower potassium. So that's one of the, the big key things that I see. But, you know, there are other factors besides soil fertility that make a good spot or a bad spot. It could be drainage. It could be disease or insects or weeds or compaction. I mean, there, there are a lot of other things to look at too, but all I know is you get fertility up and now you've at least taken one of the major things out as a yield limiting factor. All right. Thanks for that. Uh, I get this from Kevin up in Ontario and he said, could you guys please comment on these soil tests? And first of all, Kevin, I'd say this, there's a lot of variants here. There's some that's low pH. There's some that's a high pH. Uh, so I'm not sure what's different on those particular fields, but uh, you've got uh, one field that, that says home farm and that one's got pHs that are up in the sevens. And then we've got uh, some other fields here where they're Oh, wait. borderline limey. We got some five, wait, five, wait, five, you six. Because I don't. Oh man, I got. Yeah, I Dude, got if, stuff printed on both sides. So oh, I, I, I <laughs> it's very confusing. Okay, so anyway, yeah, there's more stuff here. I'd flip the page. So over. yeah, I, I'd so, be putting some anyway. lime on where we're down in the mid fives yep. to, to get up into the low sixes at least. Right. Yep, for sure. That'd be it's, something. You yeah. get kind of a mixed bag but, of uh, yeah. P and K, some high, yeah. some low. Yeah, but part of the reason why, Darren, is the difference in cation exchange capacity. His lowest soil pH field is his lightest field, 7 to 9 cation exchange capacity. And here, here's a, a good thing to, to talk about today, since we are talking about just fertility programs in general. Because very often... Darren and I discussed this base saturation potassium thing, and that's great in the medium to heavy soils. In the light soils, then our level goes way up. So usually in those medium to heavy soils, we're talking 4 to 8% base saturation K, all right? But here's the problem. Here, here's a good example. So he is at 5.3% base saturation K in one spot, which sounds phenomenal, right? You'd say, oh man, we're in great shape. But the problem is it's a 7.9 CEC, so he only has 162 parts per million of potassium. It's not horrible, but I mean, we're kind of right on the edge. So a lot of times in a year like this, in our area, when we're talking 20 or 25 cation exchange capacity, that means we probably have 500 pounds of, uh, or I should say 500 parts per million of potassium if we're at 5.3% base saturation K, and we would say, oh, in a year like this, when K is high, just mine it out of the ground. Well, you don't have a lot to mine out there. I mean, that's only 320 pounds, and a, a big-time crop's going to pull all that out. So you, you don't want to skimp on K, even though your base saturation looks good in the one area. But otherwise, we just say, as a general statement, your phosphorus, when you're down into the 20 kind of parts per million range, and your potassium, when you're at 2 or 3% base saturation K, especially on low or on light soil, you just got to bump that P in the K. So that's the first thing that I would see. The next thing that I would say is we'd like to see a complete analysis. So I don't have any tests on sulfur, iron, copper, salts, nitrate, 
Uh, I, I mean, we're, we're just missing some things that we'd really kind of like to see. So I, I, I will tell you, when boron is 0.1 parts per million, you need some. When your zinc levels are 3 parts per million, you need some. And, you know, sulfur in a light soil, I'd be shocked if you don't need some sulfur. <laughs> so sulfur is fairly leachable, especially in a light soil. So those are kind of the things that I'd work on. All right. Thanks for the questions. We really appreciate that, Kevin. Uh, I got a soybean herbicide question for you, Brian. That's from Blake. And he said, guys, I've been listening to your radio show and I'm going through some soybean herbicide programs with my retailer. Just wondering what you would recommend an extend and extend flex soybeans in 2022 and how that may have changed from 2021. Uh, I would say it really hasn't changed. We don't like spraying dicamba late. We'd like to get that done early. Now, it, your rec, the recommendation's basically going to depend on do you have a weedy field or do you have a super weedy field? Every field to some degree is weedy. So I'm always going to say start with a three prize. So we're going to talk about using Metribuzin for sure, using either Valor or Authority. Those are the PPOs. We'll use one or the other. And then either use trifluralin if you're going to till or use Prowl if you're in no-till or you don't want to till. Prowl costs a bunch more money, like an extra 8 bucks an acre. So that's why if you're going to till, use the trifluralin, save yourself some money. It's great. So you can do the three pre thing for roughly, let's call it 14 bucks. So it's not that bad. Now you're in really good shape. You probably already have... 95, 98% of your small seeded broadleaves taken care of. That's great. Here's where we talk about weedy field versus very weedy. If you have a very weedy field, use either Warrant Ultra or Anthem Max early post. Going to cost you about 10 bucks, but then you will have great residual and really good control on things like water hemp, Palmer pigweed, kochia, lamb's quarters, ragweed, stuff like that. Then what you want to do is come around, let's call it June 15th, so before flowering, and spray your dicamba. Then if it's extend flex, you could come back late if you have to with Liberty. Otherwise, if it's extend, you're pretty much left with Roundup and Cobra. All right. Uh, related question here from Colton in northern Missouri. He said, I've used two things. He said, first of all, I'm grid soil sampling for the first time. Just wondering what kind of test to run. Colton, run a complete analysis. So run, uh, depending on what lab you're going through, just make sure you've got uh, everything on there they can do. For example, we use uh, SC. No, S3C Malik test through Midwest Labs. You can just look on their website and see what that all entails. Then his other thing is, I've been using Roundup to burn down brome grass. Can I get by with Clethodim this year no. if Roundup short? Nope, nope. And Roundup will not be short. Uh, the, It'll just the be price expensive. Is, right. The price is going to be so high, people are going to cut back. So there will be plenty of glyphosate come spring. Yeah, and there are places to cut Roundup out of the program. Perennial weeds is not, not the yet. place. That's exactly where we really need the Roundup. Hey, thanks for the questions, Colton, and good luck to you. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.